This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From the Toad Hop Network Studios. In Hollywood, this, this is the ToadHopNetwork.com. It's a groovy way of relaxing. Radio worth watching. Radio worth watching. What's going on, Mike? What, what, what is that? Kenny came back and look what happened. Kenny's back, everybody, and uh, you can tell because the microphones got all choppy and nasty. Um, but he's been away. I've, I've missed him, so it's, it's worth the uh, complete uh, bleeding that's causing your ears right now. Um, welcome to Geekscape. I'm Jonathan London. This is our... Uh, uh, our, our, our what is going on? What is going on, Kenny? What is that? Kenny, do you want Johnny to come back in here? Because I, do I don't want Johnny to come back in here. Johnny's going to come back in there with his, he has like a mustache. Did you see his handlebar mustache? Yeah, I did. And um, was, he's fucking up November completely. Do you think he's messing up or what? did he sabotage the board? What just happened? Yeah, he did. I made fun of his mustache. And so he's like, fine. I'm gonna All right. Well, uh, it'll be smooth sailing from here on out, Geekscapist. No uh, uh, well, no guarantees. Um, embarrassing me. My, my parents are here and you're embarrassing me. And, and John Schnepp is coming and he's going to be talking about his brand new uh, Kickstarter and about the fun we had at Comic Kazi this past week, and I want you back, Kenny. But you gotta, you gotta, you know, do a stand-up job. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sorry, I'm sorry about that one. Uh, my my parents are like, did you just do that ten seconds into the show? Um, all right, so my parents are here. They're in Los Angeles visiting, and um, welcome to Geekscape. It's been a while since either of them have been on the show. Uh, how do you like the new studio? How do you like the new setup? How do you like uh, Kenny? I think Kenny is probably the best part of the new setup. Uh, All right. He, uh, yeah. He certainly seems to have control of the engineering. I think the uh, presentation is remarkable. If I were at home watching me on a computer, I would be astounded 
And I would think it's probably uh, all due to Kennedy. And, and, and you guys need to move a little to the left too. If you're like, if you're watching guys, we the, the, always the, it's just a tiny bit. You see, you see the little picture up there. You gotta, you gotta match the little picture. Uh, if you guys want to call up and talk to my parents, it's three two three six two two eight six two three. John Schnapp's parking, so he'll be here soon enough to talk about his brand new Kickstarter. Um, so, guys, welcome to Geekscape. How it, it, obviously it's changed. Obviously, I've changed in the, what, eight years that we've been doing this show. Seven seven years that we've been doing this show. Um, Seems like forever. Have you ever been less proud of me than uh, than having a son that does a podcast for seven years? I think that's a long-standing podcast. I think the measurement of pride is always a question of volume. If okay. you have a counter, I think the counter will tell you how people are responding to your podcast. Right. And if after seven years you only have seven listeners, you might want to. They're in the room. Career. Yeah, they're, they're actually in the room. If you have seven million listeners, that's what you've been telling us every week when you send. Us- hey, now, whoa, whoa, hey, he's. Hey, come on, don't put words in my mouth. Um, in 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 Alice, like, are, are you proud of me? Are you proud of the of of everything we've done here at Geekscape? Into the mic, please, please, please. Into the mic. I've always been proud of you. Uh huh. I mean, and I've always loved Geekscape. What is it? What is the thing that you love most about Geekscape? It keeps me off the streets. Um, no, I think that it gives you a place to take your personality. No, you know, and 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 you know, every mom's dream is that they can pick up their kids' voice and what they're doing at any time, and I can download a Geekscape or. Tune you in anytime I want. You can also tune me out whenever you want. <laughs> that, that too. Were there that times? Too. Now, now let's be honest. Were there times in raising me that it was just like, okay, I just got to tune them out. No. It was always yeah, no, no, no. Come you, on. It, it was some tough. What 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 we did want to tune out sometimes was the Sonic the Hedgehog uh, <laughs> music. What, music. Mario. Right. Music. Uh, yeah, and Mario. Mario. We, we would hear that just around the clock. You guys that, would that, just constantly hear that music, and, and you'd talk to each other and be like, what, what can we do to like accidentally turn off the Genesis or the Nintendo and get that music out of our heads? I'm really sorry that you guys had to put up with that. Um, but it, it turned out all right. I mean, I, I, I passed the video game phase. It's... <laughs> I mean, they, thank, thank, thank goodness that was just a passing fancy. Uh, Sonic the Hedgehog: The Lost Worlds just came out last year, uh, last week, and uh, and you can go watch it uh, and play it. Um, there's a new Sonic the Hedgehog game. I, I don't think I'm gonna pick it up because I'm saving for the new Mario game. Yeah, there's a new Sonic the Hedgehog game that came out last week, and um, and there's a new Mario game that's coming out. Uh, Closer to Christmas that I'm looking forward to, and um, you were ripping up an old wounds, right? I'm, now. I'm ripping up an old wounds. No, I mean, I mean, guys, just think about what my wife has to go through. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I mean, now it's now it's kind of her thing. Uh, yeah, to no, I, hear I the just music. for a minute there, I thought, okay, I'm going to get him Sonic the Hedgehog for Christmas, but I, you know, I couldn't do that to Laura. Yeah, um, supposedly the soundtrack is one of the highlights of the new Sonic the Hedgehog what? game. I mean, the, the Sonic games always that? had like a really no, the game supposedly is good, and then it just has like weird boss battle or level designs, but it's supposedly like one of the best Sonic games that's come out in the last ten years, which. I don't know how much that says. Isn't that like the only other Sonic game with Sonic All-Stars? No, because there, there's like Shadow Hedgehog. There, there, there was a ton of these Sonic games that didn't really work. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait for a couple more reviews or, or a drought, which never comes in video games. Like you always have video games that you haven't played yet that are sitting next to your system, sometimes still in wrappers. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to wait for a drought, and then I'll play those games. And a drought never comes because you do get, like, the next Mario game or you get the next Zelda game or you get Grand Theft Auto V and you play that until 
your wife threatens you with divorce. Um, and, and I mean, that's kind of the game that's been happening in uh, in our houses is uh, Grand Theft Auto Five. Now you've, you you know, you guys raised me to not be violent and not being like you know I I don't know if I if you guys ever steered me away from violent video games, but you, obviously you've heard about Grand Theft Auto on the news, right? Uh, yes, and, I mean, and the truth is, we didn't we didn't steer you, right? I mean, you you were drawn to to things that were had you know cute little animals right. and harmless. Oh come on now, people are listening. Uh, oh, but, no, but, but but when I tell you that like I've already beat Grand Theft Auto and I'm 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 really playing it as parents, are you worried about me as a 35 year old? 34-year-old, about to be 35-year-old, who's, like, really into Grand Theft Auto. Do you worry about my psychological state? When you hear about Grand Theft Auto, does it freak you out as parents? I'm, I'm a grown man, but... Let me answer it in this way. <clears throat> Somewhere in my word processor, a third volume of my French Letters series of books yes. is working its way to completion. And you might be interested... In the question whether there is in that book a 35-year-old who plays violent video games. Oh, no. You're turning me into one of your novel characters? <coughs> no. Um, no, I wouldn't say that I'm turning you into a novel character. I'm just amazed that somehow we have gotten into a society where the primary mode of uh, communication involves joysticks, bombs, um, the uh, destruction of other people's property, and in this particular case, the interception of Saddam Hussein's nuclear bunker by an F-16. It's not real. How do we know? The game. I just think it's like Ender's Game, and I'm over there doing all this stuff for real. Look at my dad pulling my leg. Uh, all right, John Schnepp is here. He hey. uh, it has a brand new Kickstarter campaign, which uh, kind of woke me up. The Kickstarter campaign because I love the you know I, I donated. Let's not the, talk about that. Let's, no, no. let's talk about your parents. No, 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 this is what the audience go. is hearing. <laughs> Here, let me emphasize it. Yeah, we're yeah. on microphones. Yeah. Gum, yeah. 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 While we're at it, let's like that clickety clacky. Yeah. Why don't my parents just start making out during the episode and they can hear that while they're at Oh, oh, oh. There we go. All right, Kenny, come over here and get a smooch. Um, all right. Jonathan, would you like one? They're no, really I'm good. good. I'm good. They're Thanks. really good. I'm all right. All Thank right. you. Okay, He's got so, a Starbucks Frappuccino there. So so, so, so last time John was on the show, uh, I got to tell you, um, having now seen, uh, what was the movie that you guys were arguing? I can't remember. And, and you got like three words in the new Neil Blomkamp oh, the, movie? the movie I liked and everybody else didn't I liked like. Elysium. Yeah, Elysium was awesome. I saw it. I was like, oh, that's that was a fun little movie. Yeah, your friends didn't get it, I think. Yeah, well, well hey, just for the record, <laughs> you're a better friend. No, I'm like, not. Like I'm just, no, no, in the hierarchy of I'm friends, just, I'm being serious no, with you, John. Well, thanks, man. But I'm just, I was just being a jerk saying they didn't get it. They just didn't like it. No, uh, so so John and I just spent uh, the weekend at Kamikaze, which was the, the at the LA Convention Center. Yeah. We did some promoting for it. We loved the, the, the convention. How did it go for you? Because I know you were super busy. It was busy really fun. I mean, did like about five panels and just <laughs> ran around, moderated Michael Rooker. Like, like they were like, we need a moderator right now. Just ran up on stage. It was really fun. You're uh, the guy to do it, too, because you've probably seen most of his stuff. Yeah, it was like a walking Rolodex. I was like, Henry Bordreau, Slither, what's up with Cliffhanger? You know, just like. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. He was one of the henchmen. Yeah, there were all, all these young 20-year-olds like, I don't know what he's talking about. 
It's like history lesson. What's up? Learn. Yeah. They probably only know Michael Rooker from like The Walking Dead. Yeah, pretty much. They're like, he's Merle, you know? Yeah. But uh, and then how did things go with uh, the Schnepp Zone booth that you were at? Because you had your own booth. Yeah, it was. It went really good. It was really fun. I've been. Uh, I sold a bunch of these. Not a lot, but a, a few of these. Uh, Super Robot Challenge Man. What is that? Um, it's if Superman Lives actually got made and came out in 1999, then a Dutch Korean American conglomerate knockoff company made these. So you remember, Dad, when we'd go to Mexico uh, to visit my mom's family, and they, we'd go to those little tianguis, those flea markets, and there would be all those knockoff toys. You'd have, like, a Superman with, like, a Batman logo instead of, like, an Iron Man, like, plastic holder, yeah. and they, their faces would be all wonky, and it would look like they were made in some, like, sweatshop somewhere. So John was selling basically <laughs> the equivalent of those at his booth. Yeah, I made, but, like, but they're a little more deluxe and, right. like, really well spray-painted, but they still have that kind of knockoff flavor to them. Right. We made a bunch of weird villains that are in the... In the in the general vein, like if you never read a comic book and somebody said they're supposed to be green because green makes him sick, so the villains are very green. <laughs> These um, are Fifth Avenue Prada persons. Yeah, yeah. a lot of fun. Um, world. Yeah, it's like it's like you you're ba- you were basically playing the role of like uh, a Nigerian in Times Square selling knockoff <laughs> purses, but you were doing it at a convention. If I had more time and uh, well, no, I would never do this, but I'll just say the ones I like are like. Super Alliance, and it's like Shrek and <laughs> Spider-Man and like the Green Lantern. You're like, well, how did they ever get, how did they get all the rights? They never got the right. It's like <laughs> Super Alliance. Yeah, just like, it's it's yeah, it's just weird. A, a wrestler in the corner, like, you know, like, oh. Goku from Dragon yeah. Ball Z, but his hair's red. Got a leftover goat from some action family. That's in the corner. <laughs> Nothing's vacuumed. It's uh, there, there on sticky paper. It's great. And then they have some artists like pop off, like, you know, put Shrek and Iron Man and Green Lantern's friend together in a painting, and it's like this painted shot of all of them ready to kick ass. It could be a Chagall. You could add a goat, and it could be. A I Chagall. would. I love those more than anything. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, so so mom sent me. Uh, she goes, though you like Spider Man. So when she was in Mexico, she sent me back this Spider Man, and he's on this weird goblin glider, <laughs> and he's like. Some of the plastic is badly painted, probably lead, and the other plastic is like that see-through kind, like that, that like jewel-looking kind. Yep. And John came into my office and he goes, "Holy crap, what is this?" And he just started playing with it. I was like, "You've touched it more than I have." <laughs> it's just some weird, you know, like Mexican flea market dudes like opinion of like what a kid would buy wanting El Spider Man. Yeah. You know, uh, and you were selling them and you sold them. You were you were gonna give me one. Oh well, yeah, you could pick whichever one you want. I want, but but I don't. I'm not going to take your money. I don't want the one that like when you press it, mm-hmm. it like it, like lights the up. eyes light up. Which no, is you can real, have one of those. No, that's really impressive. That I, they're the thing about these. They're super rare. There's only, there's only 15 of those, mm-hmm. and two are gone now. So now there's only 13, <laughs> and I'm never making them again. So you made these to promote Superman Lives. Yeah, the like Superman Lives. It was part of the part of one of the Kickstarter uh, prizes or rewards was a mm-hmm. uh, like a, an action figure. Mm-hmm. And since obviously I don't own the rights to Superman, I don't want to infringe on, you know, DC or Warner Brothers rights. So I was like, oh, you know, I'll make a knockoff, you know, and it'll be in, in the flavor of if Superman lives existed. And so that's why these toys are from another. It's like these are tra- I found a transdimensional crate <laughs> from another world where that movie and, got made. Yeah. And then these knockoff toys were created. So that's. That's what I made. I'm making a really limited amount of them, and it's uh. So I made them for the Kickstarter, and also I have a couple hundred 
extra ones just to sell to help raise more money to keep going on the films. So. Right. So uh, how is the movie going? Uh, last year, guys, uh, John ran this successful Kickstarter to do a documentary about whatever happened to Tim Burton's version of Superman, which was supposed to have Nicolas Cage in it. Right. Kevin Smith did a draft of it. And it was just a really weird Superman. And at the time, we, as a Superman fan, when you're hearing about it, you know, knowing that there's now a gap between that and the Christopher Reeves one, you wanted a, a solid, pure Superman movie. And, and instead, Tim Burton was about to make one where the suit was black, it was Nicolas Cage, it was going to be weird, there was going to be a giant spider fight in it or a polar bear fight. And as fans, I remember being like irate slash confused when when the, that movie was going to happen, and then it didn't happen. Right. You have the best attitude now about. Well, I mean, I look at it back. like I mean, Michael Keaton would have never been Batman if we had the internet in 1988. Right. Because all these fans would have been like, I can't believe Beetlejuice is going to be Batman. Mr. Mom is going to yeah. be Batman, right? What's this whole? It's an all black suit. This is horrible. Yeah. Right. So I mean, you know, there probably would have been. Warner Brothers people or whoever the producers were at that point would have been like, oh, well, we better shut this down or just that kind of general. Well, why aren't they doing it with Ben Affleck? You know what I mean? Because cause well, wouldn't think, you say that there was a similar outcry with the Ben Affleck? No, I even think, though we've always supported it here. I, I, think, uh, I think people have like uh, learned to just kind of accept it. Like there's still always going to be haters out there, you know, and trolls who are going to like type on, you know, right. mean stuff. But it's like you, you start to understand it's like, hey, they've got a plan. The reason they, they're doing this, the reason they hired that writer and that director and that actor is they kind of thought through it. It wasn't mm -hmm. just a rash decision. It's probably months and months and years of planning. So I think you still get those kinds of reactions. But most of the time, it's like it's and since things are at a higher speed now, too, people's get getting their information so much quicker now, they kind of forget about it, even if they were angry. Right. So know? like something like Ben Affleck becoming Batman, everybody was mad. But then you appease them with like what happened today, which was Netflix and Marvel announcing that they're doing four new series. So exciting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, even though, you know, sometimes the Marvel movies don't hit the spot with me or, oh, you know, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is what, like what it is. Uh, and maybe you don't like that show. You have to be excited every time there's an announcement. And I can't wait to see Thor 2, but the announcement today of a Daredevil movie, oh. uh, or Daredevil 13-episode series, an Iron Fist one, a Luke, Luke Cage, Cage one, and, and a Jessica Jones. Yeah. Who's alias. I would have loved to have seen an alias series on ABC. Right. And now I think they're gonna, they're really going to do it right on Netflix, and then it's all going to culminate in a Defenders. The, yeah, Defenders. Is it a film? Is it a film or a series of Defenders? Uh, it'll be a mini-series on Netflix. And I think it's great because <laughs> now you get the ultimate like mini-crossover series, like basically how they built Iron Man and Thor and Captain America, and then you have the Avengers, which is kind of fun to see all those characters mm -hmm. that you saw in separate movies. Now together, you get that on, a, I think, a more intimate level. And I was, I was saying this a couple of months ago that I thought Daredevil's a great character to have as a TV show. Absolutely. Because it's, a, it's basically like a legal show. He's a lawyer, and you mm -hmm. have different legal situations every episode yet he's also got this little side thing he can jump around roofs and he's got you know radioactive uh, you know sonar powers now you guys are lawyers um are you guys lawyers yeah, they're both lawyers if you've ever lost a case have you ever thought well maybe i'll just take the law into my own hands or does that just kind of like negate your entire uh, purpose as lawyers no that's what we we have been doing yeah. Whoa! Huh. You, they you, both... you didn't wonder where we were late at night. They have a bat cave. Yeah, yeah. the yeah. London wow. cave. We've been avenging injustice. You know, um, uh, somewhere in like like the origin story, like year one, Paul found that cave and was like, "Oh, <laughs> they'll be okay with me dressing as tights and slamming people in a ring." They've got the Clash <laughs> London Calling playing. That's their little. Well, hey. my, 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 my parents' <laughs> superhero led to uh, my dad walking in on Paul as a wrestler one day, and him. It was the original. I learned it from watching you, Dad. I learned it from watching yep. you. <laughs> yeah. 
you made me, but you made me first. That typical <laughs> superhero thing that they have to all be woven together now. Right. I think a more interesting question. Yes. Back to Batman with Ben mm. Affleck. Yeah. I'm troubled by the notion that the least athletic member of that family is being Batman. And should Jennifer Garner be Batwoman? And if Jennifer Garner is Batwoman and yeah. Ben Affleck is Batman, mm-hmm. who trains whom? And if he gets in trouble, does she rescue him? All right, first got to tell your dad to read comics. Because <laughs> if you're going to try to be funny, you got to be funny in the, you know, really, there's no Batwoman, so. Is it bat? There's a they're bringing back. Batwoman. Well, Batwoman is a character. She has nothing to do with Batman. She's a lesbian too. Yeah. So if you read yeah. these comics, you'd know that. But I mean, if we want to play in your Farsi land, um, I think Jennifer Garner is not going to be Wonder Woman or cast in the movie at all because it's like. You know, but you that. heard these rumors coming out of the weekend about Jamie. Uh, the, did you take a picture with her? The girl who from who plays Jamie Seth? Alexander? Jamie yeah. Alexander, like playing Wonder Woman. There are rumors. Yeah. I mean, you know, obviously. Uh, DC and uh, Marvel are, you know, they're not pals. Right. You know, they're like sort of like, hey, you know, we're fighting each other for summer dominance of money and cash. Right. You know, uh, we've got you a Sif. Maybe she's going to sprinkle over there and like do a little Wonder Woman activity. I don't know. Mess each other's productions up. Well, I don't think so. I mean, you know, Thor's got one more movie. They're right. going to, you know, wrap up a trilogy and she's probably going to be in it. I was, I'm hoping Beta Ray Bill, which is this alien yeah. that takes over Thor's power his, his hammer he inherits it yeah yeah beta ray bill is like this horse fed yeah. he's just weird yeah he's i awesome. think that's what we want is like we want kind of the uh the the more true um the particular marvel universe that, that the fans really enjoy and, and like the promise of the netflix deal today is that you know maybe we'll, i mean now we can address the street level yeah. marvel universe and like who else are you going to get in there you know what i mean are you going to end up getting um you know, uh, Moon Knight or who else? Can Moon you Knight add? would be fantastic. I, I mean, on a, on a Everyone keeps level, sweating on the Punisher. It's like, know, yo, throw Moon Knight. Add Shang Chi to it. Like, yeah. you know, maybe that's the way that you introduce the Black Panther. Even though I think it's I messed think so. up. I mean, did you read that article uh, a couple of weeks ago? Maybe a month or two ago. That the you know, and it was this outcry because Marvel has an animated um, like like raccoon coming up in, the, in their next movie next summer. Rocket Raccoon. Rocket Raccoon. So they have That's this right. ra- raccoon, but they keep talking about how tough it would be to make a Black Panther movie because he's a black main character. It's like, you're, you're making a movie with an animated raccoon in it. Who's talking about that? Like, yeah. Who's saying this stuff? I, I forget who it, it quoted, but it was okay. like, oh, the marketplace is really tough to introduce a black character. I think it's that's like, horrible. That's totally not true either. It's like, I, hey, remember Blade? That right. made a lot of money. That was actually they the first Marvel movie. Blade. That's true. That's the you first Marvel, Marvel movie that made tons of money. It was like in 1998. It had a blood rave. Remember that scene? And it, I mean, it arguably started. It's crazy. It, it, I mean, after, after Relic or Mimic, you know, Guillermo del Toro didn't have, I mean, that movie tanked. And then he did Blade Two, right? And then all of a sudden he's in discussion with Hellboy. Yep. And now we we loved Guillermo del Toro, but I mean, where would he have been without the Blade franchise? Without Blade, no, where would probably, any of them have yeah. been without the Blade? Go Chronos Two. I would love to DVD. see Blade reintroduced in this series. Yeah, just everybody, everybody who walks <laughs> and doesn't fly, <laughs> put them in this series. Morbius, uh, he flies, right? But that being said, uh, Doctor Strange is a member of the Defenders. Silver Surfer and the Hulk. Silver Surfer's locked down with Fox and FF. Yep. Hulk is locked down by the Marvel Cinematic Family. Mm-hmm. Doctor Strange also locked down by the Marvel Cinematic Family. So it's sort of like... You can't you get, get the Marvel Cinematic Family on the Netflix show? I don't think so. I think eventually what they're going to do is since Marvel, Disney, Netflix are all pals and ABC is also under the wing of Disney, you know, it's like it's a, gi- a giant creature that's just moving slowly and absorbing 
different companies, you know? (laughs) You're my television. Oh, you're my streaming. Mm, Now together, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it gives birth to this. Yeah. And all the nerds are like, yeah, another baby. Keep doing it. Yeah. (laughs) uh, I think there's some way that eventually, probably when, you know, 30, 40 years down the line, there'll be like, you know, crossovers because all everything will have merged into one thing right so. and then it's it'd be easy then darth, Va- darth vader can Rift, show up you know, like darth, darth, yeah. darth vader can show up because they've got they own star wars yeah why not like, why not let's yeah. it'll slowly that Patton oswalt sketch becomes yeah, darth doom for yeah. the fantastic four and skywalker you yeah. know um now 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 john issue do a challenge dad uh would are you gonna start reading comics no. <laughs> <laughs> it was um, totally not a real challenge. By the way. <laughs> I um, I write book reviews. Among, yeah. Among other things. You write books. I write books. Yeah. I write book reviews, and uh, I teach young people and new authors a bit about the craft of writing. And what I admire about comics uh, is that <laughs> he just they follow nothing. the story arc concept. <laughs> right. Of, of generally the. Uh, protagonist runs into a problem comes up with a solution and then disaster lands yeah and the bulk of the story is always dedicated to the resolution of the disaster but the brilliance of comics in my view is that it has the capacity to make people want to see what the guy does with the next disaster and the disaster after that and what you've been describing is a situation in which they get together and team up Mm -hmm. some of the flying ones team up and some of the walking ones team up Mm -hmm. And solve ever bigger disasters. Uh, when Superman was new, yeah, uh, he would stop a bank robber. Right. Uh, by the time Superman was through, he was spinning the Earth backwards. That was only in the movies. <laughs> if you read the comics, you'd be like, what's up with this spinning earth bullshit? <laughs> Wait, he made Lois Lane forget by kissing her? Right. What That's, is that? He it's throws a, a giant S? What yeah. is up with these movies? It's the, roof, the, it's the roofie lines. kiss. Right. See, one that's probably why lines. you don't read comics, because you saw the movies. You're like, I'm not going to go see this stupid thing where the walking guy and then the flying dude spins around a, pl- a planet. I'm just going to read these books. That. I can see why. You makes sense. Actually, when when Jonathan was at home, he would um, he he would bring certain comics in, and he would say, "This one's really different. You yeah, got to read this, like one. this and, one." And 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 I would read the ones that you told me were exceptional, like Paul Chadwick's Concrete. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Wait, wait! Don't yeah. let him feed you. I want to hear what, which yeah, yeah, ones. What he, else? What which else? ones did he give you? Well, I remember mostly um, Concrete, right? Um, and um, you you also got me started on the graphic novels, mm-hmm. um, but but then when you stop doing bullets. that, it's <laughs> yeah. well, bullets is great. I know, but uh, my stepmom was like the violence in that book oh, would have okay. been like, nah. yeah, yeah, no violence, don't do. But violence. concrete, I mean, Guillermo del Toro did write a, an early draft of that. I remember reading it in oh, film yeah? school. Yeah, he had a, he he'd written co- a draft of concrete before anything. You know, and he wanted to make a concrete movie, and now obviously he made Hellboy, and that had an actor with giant prosthetics and covered in makeup and that. Um, but I always thought that Hellboy or, or Concrete would be a great movie, but how the hell would you do it? Because you're basically making an indie film with the thing in it. Mm-hmm. You know, so how would you get people into the multiplex? And I feel like the people you actually got into the multiplex would, would feel tricked because now there's this guy encased in rock thinking about his feelings and his place in the world and his place with others sitting in Eagle Rock. And where's the 
high impact villain or the action or the high concept stuff. I don't know, but you, I still think it'd be an awesome fun. You series. know how you make yeah. it for under a million? Yeah. How do you, how, <laughs> I, mean, how, I mean, but how do you make it with a, for under a million and not have concrete when it look like Roger Corbin's the thing? You know no, what I you mean? just. Say, I mean, with, with with CG nowadays, right. I mean, I think you could do the hybrid. You know, pretty easily. I think. Mm-hmm. You know, you'd build out a care. You know, I'd say mostly practical to be honest with you. And right. Just don't have them move a lot. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And then CG the face, you know, right? Because I mean, Concrete was always such a great character, you know, and I and it, it, I, you don't see a whole lot from Paul Chadwick now, but he was always one of my top five. That and Madman and all the other, you know, kind of dark horse characters. Well, I'll look at Madman. Yeah. Where's that movie? It's over at Troublemaker Studios in Austin. For with, with Robert how many Rodriguez. years now? Oh, over God, a decade, 15, right? Probably. Yeah, probably almost twenty and years. It's just like, oh my goodness! Yeah, it's the good news is, when I finally have a name for myself, I can just walk over to Robert Rodriguez and be like, "Can we do that movie where the guy hits people with a yo-yo <laughs> and jumps around and has right. zip cars and little zip guns? Can we do that movie now? It's a fun comic. But Johnny I mean, Depp's too old to play it now, so I got to find somebody else. <laughs> honestly, you know, sometimes it's like it gets to that point where I don't even need to see a Madman movie. Right. I mean, it's like you know, you read so. There's so many. The the writer of this comic book series we're talking about has written so many adventures of Madman. It's gone off into so many different. You know, here's forty rails, and now we've come back. You know, that it's kind of like where would you even begin? Well, I mean, they would the screenwriter or whatever would begin at the beginning. Right. I mean, but for me, it's sort of like ah, you know, I don't know. I mean, there gets to that point with uh, any character I think that's been around forever or at least for as long as you've been alive, that if you've been into that character and read all these different adventures of theirs or whatnot, you've followed their stories or whatever, and they keep redoing certain stories for younger people to get them, like, hooked in. Right. It gets boring, so you just move on. Right. So I've just moved on to a bunch of other, I read, like, crime criminal and just crime drama now. Well, let's uh, talk. We're going to take a spot break. When we get back, we're going to talk a little bit more. I want my dad to plug his books as mm-hmm. well. And we're going to talk about this new Kickstarter that I want to talk about at right the on. top because it was it, it's, it's my favorite thing that you've ever done. Ah, awesome. All right? Because if <laughs> your parents were here, I'd be telling them they should now be proud of you. <laughs> we'll be right back on Geekscape. Listening to the Toad Hop Network, radio worth watching. What's up, Toadheads? Hey, make sure you check out the Toad Hop store on ToadHopNetwork.com. It's a great way to support the network and helps continue to bring you quality programming. Quality programming, my ass. Can you see I'm recording you? Oh! So maybe you've got a great idea for a business and want to start selling your products or services online. Maybe you're an established business owner looking for new customers. Or maybe you're interested in starting a personal website. No matter who you are, GoDaddy wants to help you kick ass online. Right now, GoDaddy's offering .com domains for just $1.99. It's go time. Start your website today. Visit GoDaddy.com and enter promo code TOAD to get your $1.99.com or click on the GoDaddy graphic on the ToadHop website. Some limitations apply. See website for details. Does your car smell like... You need Scent Bomb. Does your house smell like... Get some Scent Bomb. Does the bathroom smell like... Get some Scent Bomb. Go to GetSomeScentBomb.com today for the best air freshener you've ever tried. We are so confident that you will love Scent Bomb that we're giving away a free bottle to the next 12 customers to type in the promo code RADIO at checkout. If you're tired of weak air fresheners, try Scent Bomb. Scent Bomb is a concentrated air freshener, so all you need is just a couple of sprays, and the smell will last for days. That's right. You spray it today, and you still smell it tomorrow. 
We guarantee that it's the best air freshener you've ever tried. So go to GetSomeScentBomb.com and enter the promo code RADIO at checkout to get your free bottle today. There's nearly 100 fragrances to choose from. So go to GetSomeScentBomb.com. That's GetSomeScentBomb.com. What's up, everyone? SportsGuru here. Sick of looking at the same old boring websites? Well, check out the new SportsGuru.com for all the hottest training videos and all the biggest sports news. Become a VIP for only $4.99 and get premium access to everything the SportsGuru has to offer. The beautiful Gurus girls, all my biggest sports picks, and much more. So get off that porn site and check out the new SportsGuru.com. To leave your house to shop, to crawl through traffic to the mall, just to find the thing you wanted, isn't even there at all. Amazon.com is the answer. Shop at home in style and ease. Find exactly what you want. Ordering your stuff's free. Books on tape. Games galore. Everything you're looking for. Kindle. Cameras. Electronics. Baby Einstein. Hooked on phonics. Blu-ray. Movies. And TV. Download. Music. MP3. Pixar. Disney. Microphone. Pet supplies and doggy bones. World of Warcraft. Nancy Drew. Sims. The Scruffs. them too. Click Amazon. You'll smile with glee. Sometimes shipping is even free. With Gamefly, choose from over 6,000 titles. Play as long as you want and send them back when you're done. $8.95 to start, no late fees. Gamefly.com. Games delivered. You're listening to the Toad Hop Network. Radio worth watching. Hey, Geekscapists, we're back with John Schnapp and my parents, Jack and Alice. I don't know if they introduced them by name, but uh, now you can stalk them on the Internet. Um, I'm kidding. Alice is hard. To find, but my father's actually pretty easy to find. He's uh, he's put out um, a, a series of books. He's got two books so far, and uh, he's working on the third. Uh, you, why don't you tell them a little bit about the books real quick, Dan? This is absolutely the perfect crowd for. Uh, I know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, but, but in all honesty, in all honesty, don't 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 short sell the Geekscapists because a lot of them do actually write uh, and, and read, and they're storytellers, and they and, and some of them do read stuff that isn't just genre. And your book is kind of like a. Um, I mean, some some of them. I mean, what would you compare it to as something that's on TV right now? Like, would you compare it to you know? Does that make sense, Dad? Like, like because you're kind of doing like a decade spanning story. The uh, first two books are actually World War II books, sure. but they're books that are written about your parents or your grandparents on the premise that all of us sitting in this room are the products of what happened in World War II. And we are, yeah. Uh, we're the products of a society that suddenly flew airplanes, got people off the farm, learned how to borrow money, uh, learned how to put women into the workplace, gave everyone an equal shot at an education. And... Where we are today, uh, the helicopters we have today were the Jeeps that they had in 1944 that were the wagons they had in World War I. Uh, it's the same progression of the comic book characters. They keep reaching up or they die. Right. And uh, my two books are just those kinds of stories. They uh, are literary fiction, historical fiction. They are both titled French Letters. Uh, mm -hmm. If you were as old as I am, you would know that that is actually a play on words because that used to be the term during World War II for rubber contraceptives. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you were in France, in which case they were called English letters. Right. Uh, and it is uh, the failure to uh, invoke the rule of French letters that kind of got everyone into the mess we're in now. If you think about it, in 1944, the world didn't have a billion people in it. Right. Now India has a billion people. China has more than a billion people. The planet has four billion people. 
I have a question. Do you do you get into uh, the political aspect, like you know, like Federal Reserve and like certain things that happen, or is it more? No, it's uh, they're very intimate books, very okay. personal books uh, about individual people who are caught up in events that are much bigger than they are. They have no power to control them. They're kind of blown through the world. Uh, could be any of us. Sure. Could be our parents. And the only thing is, they thought that they were going to go fight the war and go home to live with their cousins and live in small towns and go back to working in the gas stations and the farms, and that world didn't exist anymore. So, like, the status quo changed just in the span of four years, and now it's like the the status quo is just changing constantly. Like, like you just get lost in it. That's kind of the the powerlessness. Well, there's certainly a metronomic uh, pose to the Mm -hmm. nature of change. Uh, Even though you may think that changes are happening rapidly, uh, they're really not. The, uh, what changes, about climate change? <laughs> uh, even though you think climate is changing rapidly, it really is not. Uh, it's changing inexorably, and we're doing great damage to it with our choices. But if you go to the Sahara Desert, you can find one of the largest, most uninhabitable expanses on the planet that only a few hundred thousand years ago was underwater. Mm. You can dig into the dunes and the rocks and find uh, the skeletons of sea creatures. So... The world's climate is changing. Uh, We're changing it. We're not taking care of what's been given to us. Uh, But that has nothing to do with my books. Nor does it have much to do with comics, I suspect. It occurred to me that that you threw down the wrong glove because (laughs) I do, in fact, read comics. (laughs) I can tell you every day what happened on Pearls Before Swine. (laughs) (laughs) He asked me today, he goes, do you read Pearls Before Swine? I go, no. And then he goes and he uh, he just explained out the panels. And And one of the reasons I read comics is because uh, they are like real comics and like any other book. Uh, They have a story arc and a resolution in three panels. Can you imagine trying to write a Superman story to resolution in three panels? I think Stan Lee did that in Spider-Man. Yeah, those original Spider-Mans, I loved that they were basically... All wrapped up in an issue, you know. No, and, I'm talking and, about. He's talking about the, the oh, newspaper. Oh, well, ones. the newspaper yeah. ones. I feel like those are continuing. You know what I mean? Well, like, that, like as a kid, I remember right. they were really three panels, and it would be a continuing through line. Right, if right. J. Jonah Jameson was like complaining about yeah. Spider-Man, but it would be a beginning, middle, and end. At least for that week yeah. or that day. Yeah. Uh, we did get a phone call that I wasn't able to get to, but uh, feel free to call back, 323-622-8623 if uh, you want to call and talk I want to your John dad or my dad. Read... Oh, hold on. Here's a phone, Here's want, a phone call. I want you to read Miracle Man. Yeah. It's I'd written by to. Alan Moore. And the, the greatest thing about that story is it has a beginning, it has a middle, and it has an end. It's kind of like the kind of stuff I would recommend to Alice. It's, uh, uh, and it's, and it, 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 would, it would feed into what you're interested in. Hey, uh, caller, you're on the air. Hi, I was just um, listening, and um, Jonathan's parents—they need to talk into the microphone. Oh, better, Thank you. Thank you so much. Hey, well, listen to that. Okay. Hey, are you sure it's not, that wasn't Kenny's fault? You sure that wasn't Kenny over here? I don't know who's. <laughs> Kenny just admitted it was him. I, I blame Kenny. I, I blame Kenny. I blame Kenny. I blame Kenny. Thank you. Thank you. Well, they gave everyone a buffered microphone except me. I have a naked microphone, so I get a lot of uh, bounce and reverb. It, I can hear you fine through yeah, my yeah. headphones. Yeah. I can hear him. I, I'm going to notch this one up as uh, Kenneth. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, we love Kenny. Um, so uh, where can people get the books, Dad? Uh, Virginia's War and... The books are uh, the series is titled French Letters. French Letters, and the one first book one, is called Virginia's War. And the second one, one is called Engaged in War. Right, they're 
mirror books. One is about a woman in a small town left behind by the war. Uh, the other is a book about her fellow who went off to the war. So you're seeing Neither that of them has sides. any idea what the other is up to. And for the most part, it's not very good. <laughs> so, But you don't have to read one to enjoy the other. You but, do not. Uh, uh, are they on Amazon? Amazon, Kindle, Barnes & Noble. Uh, Everywhere. And you can certainly go to the website. So just search for Jack London. It's the book without the wolf on it. It is. <laughs> <laughs> so it's Jack W. London. <laughs> My gears have been turning the whole time we're talking, right. and it occurs to me that what we're really talking about today is really visual art. Right. Comics really are visual art. Yeah, of course. And one of the one of the challenges I pose writers as a writing challenge is to imagine that you're writing a book for a blind person. How do you evoke the images to a blind person that the visual arts of a comic book uh, form the very core uh, of the medium? Mm -hmm. And the lesson that I always give is to throw up a large picture of one of Monet's haystacks a fairly well-known piece of impressionistic mm -hmm. art sure. uh, of hay stacks out in the middle of the field at different times of year and ask the students to describe in 10 words or less what it is they're looking at so that a person who's never seen any haystack can form a mental impression of it. Isn't it amazing how many haystacks that dude painted? Because <laughs> I mean, when you go back in time, you're really li literally like, how come they always drew people's faces? They, that's all they had. They didn't have the Nintendo game, but they had no, no one was publishing stuff for them. Here, man, go read yeah, this well, comic who book. Who was the first sci science fiction like artist who was like, I think I'm going to draw something that doesn't exist, right? Uh -huh. I'm going to I'm going to not put fruit on my table or or have a woman sit in front of a uh, you know a curious girl uh, window for hours on end. I'm just Magritte, you know, yeah, I'm just Magritte, make yeah, Francis up. Bacon right. for horror. Right. You know, it's like here, I'll imagine you, but with all your skin ripped off. <laughs> Here, I'm painting you. you know well, what Dante was, would be a pretty good challenge. Dante. I was going to say... I mean, the Greeks probably, with their, with their mythology, would probably be the answer to that one. Comic books, what you brought up, it's, it's interesting because it's three things. Sometimes it's the writer, and it doesn't matter who's drawing it. Sometimes it's the artist, and it doesn't matter who's writing it. But the best comic books that exist are the writer and the artist mm -hmm. in flow, with the with proper communication and lockdown and telling the story so that you have an like some of my favorite authors like Alan Moore he is not an, a, an artist but he depends so much on creative artists to help tell his story and as a filmmaker I think the, the thing I always teach is almost I don't think it's the opposite but the same thing you're doing visually describing with words is add the dialogue last you know make your movie as visual as you can. And the dialogue should really be the last thing that you add because because that's where you get lazy with things like exposition and character because character should be based on action and physical action you know and, and movies are at their best when you're when you're when they're coming at you visually in comics I think is similar um, sometimes I forget to add the sound effects when I like my editor comes back and he goes there should be sound effects because there's a door opening or a gun shooting you know and I go oh right 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 because I always think about it uh, almost as a silent movie first whenever I'm writing. Um, but I think we're talking about the same thing. And then what 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 John's talking about is that juxtaposition that makes comics so unique. Um, and I think Miracle Man is actually the rights have been uh, cleared up enough with with Marvel 
and um, and everybody that that Miracle Man might actually have a publication. I know they're going to continue the series hmm. and and add something to it, but um, yeah, it's the, the rights are it's been locked down for like twenty years. But and, you can uh, find it online. Every page is online. You could read and, it, for and free. it's really a cool conceptual work, like the art, like the concrete stuff. If I had yeah. to bet, I would bet that I'd get a copy of it before I go home. I have a son <laughs> who has access to these things. <laughs> yeah, I mean. If he um, lets me down, I don't know what I'm going to say the next time I'm on the show. Well, let's talk about uh, Unicrom, the Unicorn Barbarian, because obviously you've had two successful Kickstarters so far. Right, I did yeah. a Grim Fairy Tales, which was an animated pilot. In the Superman Lives. The death of Superman Lives, what happened? And really, I, w- I want to ask you this question before, real quick. What is the, like, now that you, you're well into the documentary. Yes. What is the most interesting thing that you've discovered about Superman Lives, the movie that didn't happen? Like, like <laughs> I, most, I, I, I Honestly, mean, the most interesting thing to me is how much I really wish I could watch it now. Right. It's kind of like the more I interview all these artists and, and, and designers and uh, speaking with the writers, the screenwriters, mm-hmm. I mean, it just really would have been a really fun film and nothing like what we've already seen the upteenth time with Superman. So, right. I mean, I think Man of Steel took some chances, and I'm really happy that they did take some chances. Superman Returns was just of the same Richard you know, Donner, Richard Donner yeah. take, which unfortunately was boring because right. it's like we've already seen that as kids. We were raised with that. Then we don't need a retread of Lex Luthor buying land. And as kids, it's not yeah. like the Superman cartoons didn't exist. I mean, we all were raised right. on Batman the Animated Series and Superman Animated Series, and we knew it. Well, here's the the funny thing about uh, when people get really upset about a black costume or, you know, he's right. wearing, you know, the change-ups. In comic books, this happens all the time. Right. Characters live. Characters die. Characters get reborn. They change costumes. They, they become bad number, guys. Yeah, issue number guys. one gets go to 25, then they reboot the entire universe again. And it happens mm-hmm. like, you know, Superman died. He was he was an electrical being of red and blue. Remember he had the... Yeah, elect- yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so there's there's so many different iterations of Superman just as that one character. Because, like, writers get bored, and then they're like, all right, I've done it, I quit. Or, and then or sales hit a lull, you know. Yeah, so they're going to try stuff. So I don't think there's any problem with having multiple versions or different kinds of characters like... Ang Lee's Hulk. Well, I have problems with that. But, I know, uh, I, but, no, but one of the saying, responses yeah, to yeah. that one is it's like having different artists and writers yes. on the book. Without a doubt. I just wish it was in every seven <laughs> or eight years. I know, I know. That's the only problem. So, <laughs> I mean, I think that's a great thing about like Marvel. Unfortunately, people are you know bummed that like Fox and all these other companies have the Marvel characters, like Sony has Spider Man. But we, as the viewers, are the winners because we get a Spider-Man movie and an X-Men movie and a Fantastic Four movie and a right. uh, Avengers movie all in the same year. Plus if, the DC ones. Well, the, DC is yeah. kind of on the losing end here because they own everything, so they can't crowd they their own pay, marketplace. They have to pay for it once a, one at a time. Well, yeah they, yeah, they can only release two or three superhero films of their own at the same time without, like, you know, the market dying. So it's right. sort of they can't fight themselves. Well, so. Yeah. I mean, where would you even get the investment for that? You know, because those are huge movies, right? Um, le- okay, so so we we talked about it. Uh, Unic- oh well, th- I was going to say yeah. Well, the thing about the Superman is, uh, like, just interviewing these different uh, concept artists and designers, and I finally talked to Steve Johnson, who's the mm-hmm. whole reason I even, I'm even doing this documentary because I was like saw his suits that he had made, and then 
I was really like, what are those weird light suits? I mean, yeah. then I remember like meeting him and then I told some friends, I met that guy who made those light suits and they were like, what are you talking about? So I explained this it whole. It looked like little neon like lights. It looked like yeah. a safety co- cable. I was just in interested our... in this. Like over the years, I would just search online and find concept art because it was interesting to me and I put it in a folder on my desktop and I, I just didn't realize how many other thousands of people had done the same thing as me and were also that piqued their interest and they were always wanted to know why did this movie fall apart because it seemed like so much of it so much concept art and i mean scripts and, and existed Tim Burton and casting. Said he made the movie right. he just didn't shoot it yes but he basically did as much work on that movie than he did on willy wonka or sleepy hollow oh, or yeah. any of the other reinterpretations or if not doing. more if yeah. like, if, i think more like a year and a half so i'm really looking forward to talking to tim burton mm-hmm. um that's, and, and he's going to be in the movie Mr. Burton has said that he wants to be interviewed for the the Death of Superman Lives. I will tell you first, as soon as I am done filming him and have the John Hancock, (laughs) then I will announce it. So up until now, it's just uh, I'm dealing with artists and talking to all the different creatives. What about Nicolas Cage or or Kevin Smith, somebody who was involved in the Once again, those are, you know, those are names that I'm talking to and and having fun uh, playing phone tag and, uh, you know, checking schedules and stuff. And until something is actually... You know, we sit right, down and talk. Right. I don't want to announce course, and say something course, until course, it's actually done. So, yeah. but let's just say a lot of cool stuff. I would stuff ask has you not to finish the movie until you have those interviews. <laughs> I know, right? Well, I know. I mean, eventually I'm going to have to, I, like, you have to release towards it, the of middle course. of next year, is like, look, if those guys, you know, can't, can't figure out like, a time, yeah. yeah, can't, you don't want to talk to me for one hour out of your entire, you know, eight or nine months. Right. I, I'm just going to move ahead and still use quotes from you and, you know, we'll move ahead. But I think it's a cool opportunity. Hopefully, everyone involved in the production back then will be wanting to talk to me because I, th- I think the project would have been really cool. So. Uh, let's talk about Unicrom. Yeah, let's uh, talk about Unicorn. Unicrom. Unicorn, barbarian. with the planet-eating moon. From no, that's Unicrom. With an yeah. N. Yeah. So I go over to John's booth at Kamikaze, uh, which is a lot of fun. I, it really is, I think, my favorite con because it's just so easy to get around. Everybody, yes. It's almost like a party. Yes, and you, you, all your friends are there. Yeah, it's really, it's really, it's a really fun. Time. It, it, it's great, and um, and I go over to your booth, and you had all those those action figures, which are amazing. And Super then, Robot Challenge, man, and, and, which will be at DesignerCon this Saturday and Sunday. <laughs> you can purchase them. That's yeah, in Pasadena. Yep. And and so what, what we do is, uh, I'm over there, and you say, "Hey, I just launched my new Kickstarter today." Right. And you point to this banner, right? And it has this unicorn with like a barbarian's under like torso, <laughs> yeah. and, and, but it's a unicorn, yeah. which, which we always attribute with like, "Oh, that's a dragons are for men, unicorns are for girls." When you're growing up, right? You know, <laughs> you get the My Little Pony, and you turned one into like a like a badass yeah. barbarian, yeah. And then, uh, and then I so I go to the Kickstarter page and I play the animation. I welcome anybody to go to Kickstarter, search for Unicorn uh, Crom, the the Unicorn Barbarian, and watch this video. And I think it is more insane than anything you've done on Metalocalypse. Oh yeah, it and is. And having read your comic books, I think it is the most pure John Schnepp thing I've ever seen. Nice. It is the insanity that you promise delivered. Thank you so much. Like, I, yeah. I I really love it. Yeah, and I'm being well, sincere with you. No, I can tell. Like, and like, I, and I, I appreciate think it is that. So much fun. These little weird bad guys. I know. <laughs> like, I think it's so much fun to watch this thing. And I mean, we got to get this thing kickstarted. We got to get this thing to the goals. Yeah, it's been a little slow starting, which is fine. Mm-hmm. I, that's why I made it a 60 day Kickstarter because it doesn't have. It's not an established property, so no. it's going to take time for people to actually. I'm sure a lot of people haven't even watched the video, like you're saying. It looks insane. Yeah. What's the story? Just give them a little bit of the story. It was basically like the these seven creatures, uh, transdimensional creatures, have have come to Earth to take over. 
So it's like, you know, power game. So right, they're like right. in seven parts of the world. Uh, these mystic wizards realize <laughs> the only way to fight these monsters is to release Unicron, the Unicorn Barbarian. That they've had, they've been holding it. What, why would they put him away? <laughs> well, he's kind of dangerous. He's insane. <laughs> so they also, they also shackle him with four other monsters, and him and four other monsters and the two wizards are in a jeep, and right. they kind of ride around <laughs> and hang out and argue and get run out of gas, and bad things happen to them before they actually fight. Like my, what, The one I can't wait to get to is right. the giant chicken where all these naked people are like on top of it, and it's like ho holding court. Uh -huh. Yeah, it's like 300 uh, feet tall. They all like live, they, they all well, the, the the naked people are its slaves. Right. It's enslaved them with its powerful chicken mind. <laughs> yeah. And now this is a series of cartoons. Like, what well, yeah. What, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to make ten episodes. So obviously there's seven big monsters, and there's right. a couple of them in between. There's sure. a couple of jeep rides. There's some really weird situations. one character episode. Yeah. Char character yeah. episode. So there's always a bunch of characters that are yeah. going to be in it, but. Uh, Basically, ten episodes will then I will cut together into one feature film. So basically, what I'm trying to do is I'm writing them so there are, the story arc works within an A, B, C. You use you know, the it's feature. like the you ever write to the sequence approach? What's that? The, the sequence approach is a screenwriting approach for people like us who have ADD, but it's right. basically taking a feature screenplay and cutting it into twelve shorts. I mean, you, if you sat down to write a screenplay, you'd be like, uh, I do something. I didn't know short, what the sequencer is, but I do something very look it up. similar. It's the sequence approach. So the first two. I don't want to look it up. I do okay. my own thing. You do your own thing. Do your own thing. I have the Schnepp version of the sequencer. Do your own thing. The, the that's basically what the you're doing. Report. That's basically yeah. what you're doing. Where yes. like the first two episodes of the first act, last three are the third act. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. But then I add a bunch of extra stuff because I know, like, hey, I want to be able to do standalone episodes that wouldn't actually work in mm -hmm. the pacing of a movie. So those are like bonus throwaways. Not right. throwaways, but they're part of the episode. And then stuff that only works story-wise for a 90-minute thing won't be in the actual series. So there'll but be a lot of extra both. bonus stuff. Yeah, you'll get yeah. both. So You'll get the episodes and you'll get the cut-together version. So depending on who comes over, yeah, you know, I'd be like, hey, you want to watch the movie? Or if it's like a really good friend, be like, hey, man, let's watch couple episodes yeah. let's like, watch the brony special yeah so if i, yeah, so if I make enough one? money i'll i'm gonna do a special brony episode that kind of makes fun of my the my little pony not makes thing. fun of a man embraces, embraces it, it. Embraces yes it. celebrates there's it. the horse nebula up there let's go yeah. <laughs> and um and, and what's the live action thing that you're uh putting as a stretch goal and oh it's sure. it's basically like if it was conan the barbarian but it's unicrom right like i'm a fan oh, we're both fans of uh barbarian culture well they've, so. they've seen the the show that we're trying to sell with my yeah. brother yeah, right? so, yeah, your your Paul. son, your both your sons are barbarian freaks. So, um, so Actually, if I get our sons are barbarians, yeah, if I get to this stretch goal, they'll probably be in this. You know, we'll do a crossover. So, so, so or something, we, yeah, so. what we got to do, depending on what, hopefully, ideally. Yeah, knock on wood, knock on plexi. Us, that uh, that somebody goes to the Paul London here, the right. prophecy. But whatever network it is, be like, oh, uh, guys, um, we're gonna put a unicorn barbarian crossover <laughs> somewhere <laughs> in the season. Yeah, and, uh, and, and at first they're gonna become enemies, and then by the end of the episode, they're gonna have to team up. Gonna, like, yeah. do a good journey team up. Yeah, and then oh, take down the bad I'll, guys. I'll, I'll mention some of the the cool things. What I'm trying to do uh, to raise money on this Kickstarter is I'm offering voiceovers. Like, you can actually be the main villain. So I'm always getting people yeah. who are like, hey, man, I want to be a voiceover actor. I'm like, so does everyone on the planet. <laughs> everyone on the planet thinks they have a special voice. And some people do. But guess what? You're competing against Dana Snyder right. from Master Shake, right. who's in my cartoon. So yeah. now you can act with him. But yeah. you've got to pay for it. So instead of paying for school 
to go become get, a voice artist. Yeah, get and get a reel no, or pay some guy to record your yeah, reel. And, and then here's my reel, and then you and still don't get jobs. It. Right. You pay me. And you're in a cartoon with Mark Hamill. What's up, son? Yeah. Bam. Yeah, I saw, I saw that, that just I saw happened. That, I saw that Mark, that Luke Skywalker himself is a part of this yeah, new Bobcat thing. Goldthwait. What? Wow. Lorraine Newman. Wow. I mean, bam, you're talking with Lorraine Newman. All of a sudden, you have a career. Or you fail and suck, and I have to coach you through it, and then you just have <laughs> one cartoon for the rest of your life. That's up to you. I'm giving people the chance if they give me the money so I can make this cartoon. I just think that's the gr- the best that's way because honestly, we did it in a, on a very small in a very small way with Grim Fairy Tales, and I de- I dealt with like I think fifteen different voiceover actors, some who've never done voiceover, others who've trained, and let me say it went the gamut. Like some people I thought were going to be amazing, I had to like literally for one line have a guy, and I I never read people in. That's a right. a thing you do with uh with when you're directing either live action or cartoons. You don't tell the actor how you yeah, want Yeah, you don't them. do it then say do it like that. Yeah, do right. it like exactly like I'm frightened. Say it just like that, dude. Because it's Cause pretty it's, insulting. To it's their super insulting, yeah. and I would expect the actor to walk away. Right. Like, yeah, I'm going to be in my trailer, and then I'm leaving. So anyway, I had to actually do that. With and Robert Forster? Oh, no. I'm no. messing with you. I'm no. messing with Robert, you. I know who's in it. Robert Forster is incredible. Right. He I added so many little intonations and inflections, and he actually asked questions. Like, so what does this question mean? I mean, what does this uh, line mean? <laughs> I mean? It was really great, like, and it was like, well, I didn't really think about that, Robert. No, so I had answers, luckily, you know, because I wrote the script, so I was able to be like, well, this means this, you know. So, so it's always good to be intimately involved with the script, whether or not if you wrote it or if you're just directing it, you better know the behind the scenes. You better know where they are. You better right. know if they're in a plane and they got to yell at somebody or if they're, like, talking into Because it's just a different somebody. delivery. Yeah, it's like, that's what you tell the person. Like, you're in a plane when you're talking to this guy. And you're yelling at them. Well, guys, Do the, it however, the so. Kickstarter and your chance to be a star, or at least a voiceover star, with Mark Hamill is uh, Unicrom, the Unicorn Barbarian. Search for it on uh, on uh, both Kickstarter, and we put up a piece on Geekscape about it. So yeah. check out Geekscape.net and, and click through and give this guy some props. <coughs> You've got to see this thing. It's insane. There's a, a Unicrom, the Unicorn Barbarian action figure yeah. that I'm, I'm offering. So if you're, if you're into toys or comic books, that's the $100 one. Yeah. The voiceover stuff is way more expensive. It's in the thousands, but... Okay. It's worth it. So, um, and then uh, you can search for French letters on Amazon to buy my uh, dad's books, uh, and and also uh, anything you want to suggest to my stepmom. She still has not given up reading graphic novels. So put it on the Geekscape.net website or put it on our Facebook, our YouTube, our Twitter. Let us know what Alice should be reading. John Schnepp on Twitter at John Schnepp. I'm at Jonathan London uh, for at Kenny Craig. What? And he's crippled Kenny on on Twitter. Huh. Uh, we will see you guys next week on Geekscape. How does that work? That works great. That's nice. All right. Hey. Bice. I was saying peace and bye. (laughs) Bice.